What's up, dudes? I'm not gonna lie. This episode do be thick, though. However, the length of the episode matches the majesty of our special guest today. Ladies and gentlemen, today you are going to be hearing from Mr. Michael Mailman, the fabulous director of bands at Niles North High School. This will be the last episode before me and Jonah take a mid-season hiatus. More on that later. Put your seatbelt on if you're in your car. Get your popcorn ready if you're at home. Or put your blankie on yourself if you're in bed. Get ready to hear from this man. Music, take it away. I would first like to start off by saying thank you very much. It is so beautiful to have you here. We are very looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to it too. I'm excited. I don't quite know what this is going to bring, but uh, let's get after it. Okay, sometimes I don't either. Sometimes it's that spontaneous. Love it. But we are going to get her going. We usually start these things by asking people if they can recall the first time they met each of us and what your initial thought or reaction was to those encounters okay okay i remember meeting both of you guys you know as freshmen i believe both were you know at band camp on on maybe maybe the same day maybe different days i remember it's funny though because i remember both of you being pretty small yeah. you were you were small children <laughs> And both pretty, you know, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but uh, I feel like pretty overwhelmed with the, just the breadth of the band program and lots of people being around and lots of activity and bigger instruments, bigger people, larger people, people that were way better than you. Not that that's a bad thing. It's hopefully most of the time it looks like that when you come into a band program that there's people that you can kind of look up to and people that, you know, are wanting to pass on their knowledge to you. Um, and I think that like that first day or so, there was a lot of kind of wide eyedness, almost a little bit of like, what did I just get myself into sort <laughs> yeah. of thing. And to be fair, I know I said Jonah, but it was, it's probably a pretty similar thing for, for you as well, Lou. And I think you guys kind of came in with, with that sort of similar, like, amazement and scaredness. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I was definitely pretty nervous about high school, I remember. So, we know a lot about Mr. Mailman at Niles North, how he's taken our band program to the sky-high heights, and we would like to know what is your story of your career before coming to Niles North? How did you come to get the job? Like, what, where did you go to school? you know, employment experience before, et cetera. Yeah, I do love telling this story. Uh, I think mainly because it's kind of unique. It's not probably the most similar path that a lot of teachers and even more specifically fine arts educators kind of take. I started my schooling at University of Iowa. I finished it. I, I went to University of Iowa. I, got a, I went there as a percussion performance, music education, engineering, triple major. And within one week of school, I dropped the engineering. And, and it wasn't because I didn't want to be an engineer anymore. I still really enjoyed math and science. I thought about being a science teacher for a while. But one of the 
rules of like how programs like I guess have priority over one another was like if I had conflicts with my music stuff and my engineering stuff, my engineering stuff would always take priority. You know, if it was like a some sort of presentation, if it was a meeting we had to be at, things like that. Um, and I immediately knew like I didn't want anything taking priority over music, which probably should have been the biggest clue that I wanted to be in the music industry. So within a week, I dropped the engineering degree, which was kind of sad because I, I missed taking some of those classes, but it was all music, education, and performance. And after the first year, um, I didn't think I really wanted, it wasn't that I didn't want to be a teacher anymore. It was that I really wanted to be a performer. And I dropped the education part of the degree and just concentrated on, you know, practicing and doing that and building my skills. And it wasn't, and that was kind of my plan for the next three years. And it was my junior year, first semester, a lot of the percussionists would get jobs at local high schools in the area teaching drumline. Usually there was good talent and two, it was cheap labor for, uh, for high schools. I started my first ever like paid teaching job then was at Williamsburg High School in Williamsburg, Iowa. And I taught their drumline. And within like two days, I was like, no, I want to be a teacher. I, I made a mistake. Like, this is where I meant to be. And uh, so then I kind of had to make a scramble in my degree program. I had to uh, jam an education degree in two years. Uh, so my last two years of school were, were pretty intense. I did five years at Iowa, four and a half technically, and then half a, half a year was student teaching. Um, but that last year and a half I was at Iowa, I was taking like 23 semester hours a semester while also doing like senior recitals and practicum, which is when you just observe other teachers teaching. Wow. And uh, so they're, they're the last two years of Iowa for me are kind of a blur because I was just nonstop busy. I was kind of known in the music building. I don't know if it's a good thing or not. As like the guy that would sleep in the music building, I would sleep at the student lounge, and just because I would like basically my day was just series of naps. I'd like take a two hour nap and then go do more work. Take a two hour nap, go do more work. Take a two hour nap, go do more work. And it worked for me, but most people thought I was crazy, and they're probably right. Um, but it's but I knew at that point it was what I wanted to do. Um, luckily enough, I got out of school with, uh, you know, with the degrees that I wanted and I was hired at Iowa City High School, which is right in Iowa City where I, um, you know, went to school and I was the assistant band director there slash director of jazz studies. So I, I ran three jazz bands. I ran the marching band and then I had the intermediate concert band. Uh, I worked with a really great mentor and, uh, Dr. Myron McReynolds. He was the director of bands there. And it was like just the perfect place for me. It was a part-time gig at the time. So I still got to teach at Williamsburg. I, got, I still got to do all my Iowa City stuff. I got tons of experience just teaching classes and obviously working with a really great director. Um, but after three years, I just wanted to change. Uh, and I didn't know if it was a change because I needed a new like location. Like I had been in Iowa City now because I went to school there. I had been eight years in Iowa City. I don't know if I wanted to change from that, a change from teaching. There was a little part of me in the back of my mind that was like, what does the rest of the world do that doesn't play music or teach music? Because it's a pretty small sample size when you think about you know, the yeah. world of like people that teach music and people that play music all day. And I was like, what does everyone else do? 
Um, and I was just curious. I just, I don't know if I wanted a new challenge or what. So I left my job at Iowa City, which was hard because it was, I had made some good connections with teachers and students and uh, came back to uh, Barrington where I grew up with my parents and uh, was going to go to work with my dad or did go to work with my dad as a uh, construction sales rep. And so I would be meeting with contractors and architects and engineers um, repping different construction products, mainly involved in the building envelope, like sealants, um, waterproofing, things like that. Um, and about two months into starting that, I actually got an email that there was a percussion opening, teacher opening at Niles North, and that you know I was being recommended for the job through a couple different people that had known me. You know, it didn't take long. I basically was out of the teaching world for three months, and then I got right back into it, teaching percussion, uh, but doing both. I was doing the sales thing, which was fun, and then doing the teaching thing. And what, what brought me back into teaching was students. You know, the students I was working with at the time, the ability to want to spend more time with students, work more with them. And I would find myself, you know, not going out for sales calls uh, and then instead just staying longer at Niles North which was a real catch 22 because staying longer in Niles North didn't make me any more money and not working sales calls cost me money because I worked on commission. So I was like, I need to make a change because this isn't working. And uh, at the time there was a, a elementary band director job that opened up at Barrington school district and that was part-time. So I applied for that and I got that and I was able to kind of get my foot back into the door in Illinois teaching in band teaching, that is, because I was still doing the percussion. So I was teaching elementary school in Barrington and then doing percussion and jazz at Niles North. And then, uh, you know, fast forward a couple more years later, the job opened up in Niles North. And uh, I was fortunate enough to, you know, kind of be right place, right time and, and be able to be hired. And I, I tell a lot of friends of mine, younger friends of mine that are going through the education field, like, you got to be good. Like you got to know your content. You've got to be passionate about what you're teaching. It doesn't matter if it's math, reading, music, choir. Like it's so important that you're passionate and it's so important that you know, you know, that you know what you're talking about, but that there is a level of like, I don't want to call it luck, but I will call it putting yourself in places to be successful and putting yourself like in the right place, right time situation, you know? If I'm one year on the other side of this situation, I'm probably not teaching at Niles North right now. Perhaps the next 30 years of my life are all going to be based on the fact that I, at the right time, like 10 years ago, decided to leave Iowa City. Like If I didn't leave Iowa City that year, I don't think I'd be here right now. And that, that, that really messes with my mind. <laughs> Everything happens for a reason thing. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, now that you are at North and have been for... A while now. What is your? What would you say is your favorite thing about being the director there? Oh, I should have assumed this was going to be a question. It's like one of those impossible questions. Like, who's your favorite kid? You know, like <laughs> not like a student, but like if I had kids, you know, you can't you can't answer that question. It's like a morphing situation. Like depending on the time, I can tell you my first year as Niles or as the director of bands. You know, we did our first marching band show. And uh, it was a Ray Charles show. It was so great to just, like, I could hear the crowd behind me, like, in the stands, like, people saying things like, look, they're moving. Look, <laughs> they're out there with, like, moving. Like, because like, it just was so uh, foreign to the, to the audience. You know, you know, I mean, 
I should, it wasn't that we hadn't moved before, but for whatever reason, you know, like kind of doing a more traditional show and like, you know, having the band out there move around and make different shapes or whatever designs that might've been my best moment. Then it's not my best moment now, you know, cause like things change. And now like I'm all, you know, I'm just trying to always raise the level of the program, raise the level of the program, not just, not just as a musician, but as a culture, like as a family, as a group of people that like are inviting for other people to come to. And, and that's why I would say, like, to me, I guess my best moment isn't a moment, but just the fact that, you know, this summer we were able, we were fortunate enough to hire an assistant band director because we've gotten so big. You know, we're up to now, in like, over 160 students, I think, you know. And when I started, it was 85, you know, 78, 85, something like that. And, you know, so in like six years or so, we we doubled which is awesome um and like to me that's the greatest moment which i guess isn't a moment it's just a it's a culture that has been um kind of fostered now and it sounds silly to say maybe it doesn't sound silly i i want to take like zero credit for it because like the only way that like kids want to continue in band and choose to do band is because they see their friends having good times and they, they want to be with their friends and their friends are saying, yeah, I'm going to do band. You should do band. Hey, why aren't you doing band? You should do it. You know, or and the same thing with the jazz band. It started out as like eight kids and now we're up above 20. You know, it's nice to see that because I could be the greatest teacher in the world, but if kids don't see the benefit of being in the class and being a part of the program and want to bring their friends into it, it doesn't matter how good I am or how bad I am because there's no one there to teach. And that's the like the greatest thing about like what's going on right now at Dallas North is just seeing the growth and seeing more kids bring in more of their friends into the program. But you do definitely have something to do with that. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't shy away from that. I appreciate it. Thank you. So this year, teaching is going to look a lot different. School is looking a lot different. What is your plan to you know overcome the adversity that's going to be thrown your way as a teacher this year? during this pandemic and how, how do you still like plan to make music special to students? How do you plan to make sure that they still enjoy being a part of band and that's something that's going to be worth their while? Yeah. I mean, it's a great question and it's what I know a lot of teachers have been wrestling with, you know, really since March of last year, like how do you, how do you make this engaging, but how, but interesting, how do you keep students engaged? I mean, talking from experience as just uh, as an adult that goes to, to Zoom meetings now and has been to different webinars and has done some classes online, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm technically like, you know, this is my job and it's what I want to be doing. And still to like sit and like look at the computer screen for like four hours a day is tough. And like, I don't want to do it. Like no one wants to do it. So I really admire and probably like respect this well not probably <laughs> but respect the students for like what they're going to have to go through this year and you know every student every year kind of has you know different challenges and things like that but this is like nothing that's ever happened before and it's going to take a new level of like self-discipline and ownership and maturity to get through school this year to me, it's a challenge for me to teach this way, but it, it's a way bigger challenge for the students. And which I, you know, I like to keep that in the back of my mind when I'm teaching them, like knowing that this is just one class they have, but that 
this might be, you know, this might be maybe their favorite class. So I don't want to make this now like their worst class of the day because it used to be their favorite. And now I'm just like throwing stuff at you because it's online and it's become a totally different class and it's not uh, representative of what band would look like. So regardless of how the format is or how the class is uh, delivered to students, you know, my, my biggest concern is like, do kids want to make music? making sure kids want to make music and getting them excited to make some sort of music. And that could be as simple as just like playing like a solo they played last year at like solo and ensemble festival. It could be as, as like being like, give me the hardest thing to work on right now because all I'm doing is practicing because I have nothing else to do. What I hope every student gets out of my class is that they become a lifelong lover and, and consumer and producer of music. It's written better in my syllabus than I just tried to remember it. But like, I don't want anyone, it doesn't matter if you're a freshman or a senior, to get done with this year and be like, cool, I did band. I don't need to do that anymore for the rest of my life, whether you're a freshman or a senior. I, you know, maybe it doesn't mean you're a band anymore, but maybe like you fostered some new love for classical music. Maybe you fostered some new love for jazz and improvisation. Maybe you just want to go see more live music and you're going to be a lifelong consumer of the arts and it might and you might be band it might be choir it might be orchestra it might be theater it might be going to an art show um that's like i'm using that to kind of plan my year you know we're not going to have normal concerts like we've had before but to me that's never been the point of the program for me like i love concerts i love performing i mean i went to school to be a performer that was like my number one goal um, but like working with students now and hopefully being able to instill with them the same passion that I had is that like you can take whatever you learned in my class and then apply it to any other arts class and then beyond the high school curriculum and take it, you know, you'll be 42 years old and maybe you'll see some ad on Facebook or TikTok, whatever the new crazy social thing is in the year 20, uh, like 42 or whatever. And who, and it's maybe like some band song or some classical song you saw and you're like, oh, I remember that. Maybe I should go to the CSO and check that out today. And like if I knew like 30 years from now that my students were just enjoying listening to music and consuming live music and things like that, to me, that would be the cat's meow. A world of music is a good music. It's a world. A world with the music is a good music. There you go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay. So, obviously, the times, the crazy times. What about the times? What, um, I'm not setting this up, but I'm just going to ask my question. What has I been a typical day, if you would like to share, uh, in the new house during quarantine? Uh, yeah. So, can we go summer? So, like, yeah, because yeah, now it's different. Yeah, it's a little different now. So, yeah. we'll go summer. You know, so obviously, Kelly and I. Just got married last year or January, New Year's Eve. Uh, we don't have any kids, you know, so responsibilities other than like, you know, paying bills are pretty minimal. So uh, <laughs> I would say we, you know, get up around 9, 9.30, something like that, maybe a little later. I say I would usually eat an apple. That's my breakfast. And I would probably watch some cartoons, like no joke. I'd watch some like... Because I got I have Disney Plus and there is like X Men, Spider Man cartoons like that were on. Um, I think they were they were Saturday morning cartoons and I would watch them. You know when I was younger, 
And so I'm just basically reliving nostalgia right now. And uh, I get up and I watch cartoons on a Saturday morning. I would say because of quarantine, we started becoming way more into cooking. We are, we both already liked to cook, but now because of like the just, you know, the forced in-homeness, it's just kind of really elevated our, our cooking, I think. I would say about once to one or twice a week now, I'll make my own pasta, like roll out the dough, cut it, things like that, which has been super fun to get into. Um, so there's a lot of cooking. And then there's probably a board game that happens in there. We would make breakfast. We'd play this like Harry Potter card building, like a deck building sort of board game. And then we watch Harry Potter because it seems like no matter when you turn the TV on, you can like find Harry Potter yeah. on like TV. It's like, like, oh, it's Saturday. Let's watch seven <laughs> Harry Potter movies. So we just like, you know, we put it on in the background and then we play like a couple rounds of the of the deck building Harry Potter game and then uh, probably make dinner and then go for a walk. That's been my, my new thing is like I try to walk like five to six miles a day. When you, when you, that takes about two hours. So <laughs> when you when you yeah. try to do that every every day, uh, you know the day fills up pretty quickly. So that's kind of a typical day for me right now. It's a pretty good summer for not being able to go anywhere. Uh, we did one trip. We went. My brother moved to Kansas City, so uh, we helped him move into Kansas City in uh, the end of middle of July. Yeah, just after the fourth. This is kind of a loaded, a loaded question. Are you ready for this really loaded question? Yeah. All right. Okay. Let's get after it. All right. So we have a uh, we have a trivecta: an economic crisis, a public health crisis, actually, and an election, and a crisis with racial justice. What are your thoughts on this four duo, four quad quad circle of issues that? It's a square. square. This is so... I'm not setting this up well, but what are your thoughts on all of those things as we go into November? It's a wild time. Just wear the mask. Like, just just do it. Like, it's not the end of your freedom if you wear a mask every day. Like, guess what? You're still pretty freaking free. You just wear a mask. And you know what? And, And then I even go a step further. Even if you thought it was taking away your freedom, like, you know, everyone always talks about how, like, you know, the golden rule is so important. Like, you know, be a good neighbor. Be good. Like, the easiest thing you can do right now to be a good person is to think of someone else more than yourself. Right? So wear the mask. Who knows if you have it? It doesn't matter. You know, you can go back to 2016, and I remember people saying, like, they've never seen a country as divided as us back in 2016. And, you know, and I remember thinking that, too. It's like, we are so divided right now. This is crazy. Like, how are we going to make it through whatever? And then you look at today's day and, you know, maybe it was naive of me to think like in, back in 2016, we couldn't get more divided, but we are absolutely more divided. To me, it's sad that like we can't get crap figured out. Um, and not that we can't, it's not even that we can't get it figured out. It's that no one wants to listen. I wish people would be better listeners because if, if you if you're a better listener, like so many problems don't really become problems anymore. They become discussions and then they become opportunities to find solutions and find change and find ways to make everything better. Listening is such an important skill. It may be the most important skill, skill in the world. You know, I, I'm sure literacy probably trumps listening on one level. Um, you know, being able to read and, and write and, you know, and, and 
understand and learn knowledge for yourself. I mean, literacy is obviously super important with that, but I really struggle to watch people that don't listen and just basically walk around with like their fingers in their ears. And that, that that's what frustrates me the most with the situation we're in right now. Well, this got heavy quickly. Yeah. <laughs> you said it was a loaded question. Yeah. yeah. Now, congratulations. We have finally, I believe, surpassed the heavy background part of today. And now we will get more lighthearted and fun. Okay. So in recent years of band, do you think you could say uh, some pieces that in concerts that have gone very well and then some pieces that have gone very poorly? Yeah. Uh, let's go with the uh, below expectations first because I'd rather, <laughs> I don't know what the next question is, but I'd rather end on a high note than a low note, at least in the question. So uh, it was one of the years where I was just teaching percussion. We had a percussion ensemble concert that night. I got deathly ill the night before and was still sick the next day. Couldn't make it into school, you know, couldn't be away from facilities long enough to make this be a, a situation where I could get to school or whatever. But the concert was still going on. And I was like, I'm going to make it to this concert. I'm going to make it to this concert. Again, props to the students because I basically like sent an email to the class. It was like, we got to get this stuff on stage. You know how it usually sets up, guys, like make it work. And I showed up like half an hour before the concert and it was all good to go. And I was like, you guys are great. This is amazing. Wow. But that was the end of the great night at that point, because I was in no business to really be like directing an ensemble and just my head was not in a space that I could really function. And we were doing this song. It was a quartet that was kind of a multiple percussion kind of drum set -y quartet, um, all, you know, batter head drums, you know, so like toms, bass drums, snare drums, things like that. It's called Blast Off. It was a really slow song, really slow tempo, but super fast subdivisions. So like, you, instead of like playing like, you know, a lot of 16 notes, like ticka, 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 you were playing 30 second notes and like, so like the tempo was like one, two, three, like really, really slow. So we're doing this song, and I at one point I just I feel myself just sweating, and I'm just I'm having a terrible time, and I know now that I'm like getting slower and slower. The song was already probably too slow to start with, and now I'm conducting slower and slower because I'm like getting tired, and I'm under the lights, and 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 now everyone's lost too because I was like, wait, this is not what this is supposed to sound like. What's going on? And I remember looking out at these four students. <laughs> None of them, I don't think you guys ever knew any of them, maybe. Uh, and they're looking at me, and everyone's just banging on drums, essentially just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to keep moving my hands. And I'm looking at them, I'm like, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. And how are we going to end this, guys? And I mean, there's just, there was this communal, this is, uh, this is a really new situation. We're in a row. How do we get out of said situation? And uh, and I remember I just basically like looked at them and I was like, right here, right here, right here, right here, right here, right here, stop. <laughs> and we just ended it. And like it didn't sound like an ending. It didn't sound like anything. The song itself didn't sound like it didn't really matter what the ending sounded like. The song had crashed and burned minutes ago. But we held the pose. People clapped. I turned around. We took a bow. And we never spoke of it again. Wow. Definitely one of my worst experiences on the stage. Um, at Niles North. Do I have to pick another one? I'll pick another one. 
I think it was two years ago. It was two years ago at our eighth grade. It was like our festival of music. I forget what I called it. It was when I had the North Shore Band come and play with us. And it was the same day as I think there was like a volleyball game going on, a soccer game going on. And I was trying to draw it out because we were missing like six players, six to seven players, like both tuba players were missing. I think we were missing a trumpet player and a clarinet player. And I remember getting on stage and we were doing uh, the arrangement of Nabucco, the opera um. overture for Nabucco. And I remember like looking out at the audience and plus we've got the North Shore band behind us listening. Dr. Thompson is there. When you're playing for other professionals that you work with, you know, there's always a little hype level of like, I want to be really good today because these people know what they're listening to. And I got on the mic and I was like, well, there's a volleyball game going on. We're out our whole tuba section. We're out like an oboe. I, we were just missing a bunch of people. And I was not in a great headspace then to, to really conduct the song and go through it. And, you know, when you start missing parts, as you guys are well aware of, you know, it's just it's, things sound differently. And when you're expecting something to go one way and it starts to not go that way. Everyone kind of like, you know, hair kind of stands on end and you kind of lose your mind for a second. And that's kind of what happened. It wasn't terrible by any means. You know, it wasn't great, but it was, again, one of my least favorite moments where like, I wish we could have that one back. That That's one. Like the, the, the percussion one, I don't need to have that one back. That was, it's just gone. Oh, and then some good ones. One of my favorite experiences right now was actually, I think it was our first collage concert. And we did a battle hymn of the Republic uh, as like a, you know, a mass collaboration with all the bands, choirs and chorus. And it was the first time that I had ever gotten a chance to get in front of, you know, a full orchestra and and conduct you know a, a giant ensemble that was orchestra and band students together and then with the choirs singing and mr gregor mr gregorman as well like that was a really cool moment to just kind of be in this really epic collaboration between everyone um that i really enjoyed that that was, that was a fun musical moment for me it wasn't the best performance of things we've done we've had better performances but uh in terms of like the musical moment and the experience that's on that's pretty high on the top of my list and i remember like at the end of it just being like yes the power like it was awesome i would say i'm a pretty high energetic kind of like intense intense guy I talk really fast you know maybe scaring people at some point but uh i really am kind of a softy at heart and like every year i think one of the things i look forward to and is always one of my best memories is like when we like end our percussion ensemble concerts with like a really slow chill kind of reflective emotionally intense song one of the ones we've done twice now is called not far from here which i love ending the year with because um like there's a little story behind it to be able to share like that experience with my students at the time is always pretty heavy moment and it and it's heavy and it's sad but there's this this emotion with it that i, th I think our, the students do a really good job of getting out into the audience and always leaves i think everybody kind of in this reflective space for about three to five seconds after it's over which to me is one of the best moments in music is like you cut a song off whether it's big or like a big ending or a really soft ending and you just kind of like live in that silence for like three or four seconds and like it gets a little awkward and that to me like that awkward silence where like it's like do i applaud yet when can i applaud like is one of my favorite moments in anything whether i'm in the group whether i'm conducting the group that's a that's a real special moment if anyone's listening right now 
that has not come to our percussion ensemble concerts, you guys should come to our percussion ensemble concerts. Yeah. I feel like I feel like the stands are always a little emptier than we want, and then people always leave, and they're like, "That was so amazing! More people should know about this." Get on out there. We won't. I mean, we're not having one this semester, but maybe next semester. You never know. You never know. Tears, tears indeed. <laughs> Jonah insisted on me asking this question. Already pointing fingers, huh? Speaking of good and bad moments, there was a concert. It was the eighth grade concert, the one where the North Shore band was there, and it mm-hmm. was it wasn't Symphonic Wind Ensemble, but it was it was one of the other bands and the freshman band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to help me out too, Jonah? Okay, um, sure. I think if we can all go back to the moment that was, I don't even remember what the song was. Personally, I remember the concert starting and there wasn't a lot of playing and a lot of people backstage was like, what, what is happening out there? Basically, we wanted to know how you felt then about the whatever the freshman song was where a lot of people were lost. I think a measure was scream whispered by you at one point. Yeah, I, I'm surprised I didn't mention this one in my uh, moments I'd like to have back. And my, my guess is it's because I literally have blocked it out of my memory. So that's why it doesn't come back to me at first. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was not a great moment. It, it, things did not go well. How did I feel at the? How did I feel at the time? I got a piece of advice from the director I worked with at my first job. That was, you know, when you're on the podium and everything is falling down behind you, there's really nothing else you can do at that point, other than like laugh and just be like, "That's what that was." In that moment, you can't really fix anything. You can't rehearse anything. You can't ask for a do-over. None of those things are options. Okay, back to more fun. Yeah, you said they were going to be like... Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, we weren't trying to like embarrass you with that question. We just wanted to know. It's the question we wanted to ask for a long time and everything. It takes a lot to embarrass me, don't worry. Okay. We are, you know, Louie and I are two wacky people. (laughs) So wacky. Very wacky. If you have want to say some either some crazy stories or memories in the last four years that have either stuck with you or you need to think about to remember i wish i could come up with some specific stories i got a couple i guess well first off i would say um i don't know louie you and i have have talked about this before but like to see like louie go from like freshman to senior and kind of like maybe the most shy kid i've ever met to like being principal clarinet player just uh super like personal you were always personal but like pretty like gregarious and getting on the stage and like like seeing you in in some of the chicago stuff like it's just i don't want to say like you became a different person because i don't think you did i think you were always that person we just didn't really see it and and like you knew you were that person too but it hadn't it hadn't kind of grown to be um expressed in front of your friends or in front of just the school the, the school body and your teachers and things like that and it's not really a wacky story but just I mean, you kind of became, you're right, the, the word Jonah you used being like two wacky guys, like you guys did become this, or Louie, you became this wacky person that I never would have in a million years guessed, you know, freshman year, like August, you know, 28th, like, what do you think Louie's going to be when he graduates? I've been like, it's going to be a really good clarinet player. And, you know, he might be, might be a little quiet, you know, who knows? 
that's just not who you are now. And I think you always knew it. And it was fun to like, then also get to know that Louie also throughout the four years. For Jonah, wacky stories. You guys are just so, like, you guys are, you really are two peas in a pod here. That should be uh, maybe a new name for your podcast. But, uh, <laughs> um, oh, like podcast. Uh, oh, oh. Yeah, levels. that has to exist. Similar to, to Louis Jonah, you know, you're, you're always like the most friendly face out there. And you, you went from being, you know, pretty quiet as a freshman to then being like, you know, the epitome of like a leader among our ensembles and things like that, not just in band, but in vocal jazz. And I, I would imagine you, you kind of treated yourself as a leader or people treated you as a leader in theater, even though maybe that was like your most recent experience. You were, you were probably considered kind of a newbie into the theater department, but I, I can only imagine like by the way you, by the way you act and the way you, you know, respect what other people are doing and what you're being told and learning and the environment that like, people probably thought of you as a leader, even though you were still kind of a newbie. And I think that like, it's just, it, it's like what I said earlier, the greatest thing about like being a teacher is seeing people evolve. Is that the right word? I don't know. Basically see, see people grow into who they're going to be, you know, 30 years from now. Like how, like you two guys right now are probably like, I have a good idea of what you're going to be like when you're 50. Like, but, and you never know that person when you're a freshman. But I think I kind of am starting to know that person now. And that's super cool. Thank you so much for thinking thinking of us so highly. It yeah. means a lot. As 50-year-olds, yeah. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we, the two of us, we could... Just you. N- n- no, but listen, yeah. listen, listen, listen. Um, we, we two have our troubles with, um, with, uh, roman- with the romantics. Um, ah, we, so now we're getting to the real stuff. Yeah. Okay. D- Jonah, you, you would say, you, would say you, you share that trouble too, right? I'm not trying to like expose you, know, but like we we've talked. I mean, about like you, this every thing. time you ask this question, you ask me that question before you ask the real question. So I mean, you know um, the answer. It was. I mean, to be fair, it was probably the most polite way I've ever seen someone throw someone else under the bus. That's that's that was just there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's he's had practice. <laughs> we would greatly appreciate some solid romantic advice, uh, along with maybe you can accompany the advice with. The story of how you and Kelly met and how how that romance kind of developed and to where it's gotten now and yeah, I mean it's funny. Like I would I would say my advice, whereas might be good advice, wasn't anything that I ever followed. So maybe it's bad advice, but I would say you like one is don't hesitate and like don't be scared. Put yourself out there. Get used to that rejection because it's going to happen. <laughs> And it's going to, and it's never easy. Um, many years before I met Kelly, I was in a relationship with a girl that I was pretty sure I was going to ask uh, to marry me. What was this girl's name? Oh, I don't need to share her. Oh, name. okay. <laughs> uh, she knows who she is. I doubt she's listening to this podcast. I um, would not. <laughs> You know, what, what I was saying is like, it's going to hurt. Some people say like, you know, it gets easier. It doesn't really get easier after you like get rejected once or like 10 times. You basically just get more used to moving on and, and getting on with your life, essentially. It doesn't, get, but to me, the rejection is rejection. It always stinks. It's, it's, not, it, it's not fun. But knowing that, that's why I think my advice is like, if you can, like just be okay with it and like get out there, talk to people. I've found that more often than not, everyone that I was afraid to talk to always ended up being like, you finally have talked to me. 
why did it take so long? <laughs> and you're like, hmm, I should write that down and perhaps remember that the next time. And, and the reason why I say like it didn't, I didn't even really follow my own advice. You know, I met Kelly in the North Shore Band in like 2011, something like that. 2011, 2012 was our first year in the band. We both joined at the same time. We didn't know each other. Uh, and I remember being like, that's a cute girl. Like maybe, maybe I should ask her out sometime. And then I didn't for about three years. And I, more foolish, even you, you think, well, you can't get any more foolish than that. Yes, I can. So then, like about two or three years later, I asked her, and it's embarrassing to say, yeah, I remember I said it takes a lot to embarrass me. Here we go. I asked to ask her out. I said, hey, <laughs> can I ask you out sometime? And she said, yes, that'd be great. And I said, cool. And then I once again didn't ask her out for another two years. <laughs> and uh, there was some reasoning behind that was that I found out she had two cats and I'm deathly allergic to cats. I'm a huge animal lover, even though I have no pets, but I, I love dogs. I love cats. It's just, it's unfortunate that I can't have any. And I never wanted to ever put someone in the position of being like, you got to choose now. It's me or the cats. Because to me, that would be an impossible choice if someone had made me like answer that question. So I, I never wanted to do that to Kelly. So that's why once I found that out, I kind of just like disappeared into the shadows and was like, well, we won't be able to go out because you have cats. And then it took a North Shore band trip to New York City, uh, very sleepless in Seattle. Like, you know, we, we met in New York City and finally, you know, she brought it up to me and was just like, hey, remember the time you wanted to ask me out? It's been like two years. Are you going to? And I was like, oh, my God, I've been found out. And uh, and then I told her the story of like, you know, well, you've got cats and I'm really worried and it's not fair to you if you do that in that sort of situation. And, um, you know, Kelly was basically like, let's just see what happens, see what it goes. You know, if we have to make that decision, we'll make that decision. She didn't want to let that kind of get in the way of seeing what we had. And, um, you know, again, maybe it worked out for the right reasons. Everything worked, you know, everything happens for a reason, but it, it's, it's, it's really funny to think that like for about four or five years, I had like thought about asking this girl out and I, it took that long <laughs> for it to actually happen. And then it worked out, you know, obviously pretty great. And, um, she does not have her cats anymore. Uh, she gave them to uh, a friend of hers. So she still kind of has, connection to the cats her friend lives in uh, indiana so she can get some she'll see pictures here and there of her cats but uh yeah don't wait because that because i wasted like four or five years that that could have been also really good years surprisingly effective once again very effective Louis, are you wait, 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 wait. <laughs> surprisingly effective i expected him to give effective advice you, you well i mean yeah you're, you're surprised by the effectiveness we have this conversation every time you ask this question the, it's just like not uh, okay. Listen, Can, you know, does the guest does the guest ever get to ask any questions? Oh yeah, at the at the we we save we save a spot oh. for that at the end. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yes. So we're, I'll wait. we're very we're close. We're close. We're close. we're close. Before we get to our very spicy question, I'm sure you enjoy working with a lot of people at Niles North, but we'd like to know who's who's that special someone in the staff that's like you just adore working with. 
it, they make your day better and, you know, you get advice from them or something like who's someone that really makes Niles North a much better place for you to work at, would you say? Easy answer. I, I, it's almost too easy that like, I was like, wait, let me think a little bit. But then I was like, I, I, I was, as, as soon as I was thinking about it, like asking, I kept coming back to the same person and it's Mr. Orbit. Yeah. If I knew I could work with Mr. Orman for the next 30 years, I'm, I know he doesn't want to work probably 30 years more, but it would be like the best place to continue working for sure. He's super creative. He's super knowledgeable, you know, not just with his expertise in, in theater, but just in terms of being an artist and being creative. His relationship with his students is something that I admire being at the school for so long now, like he's just seen so many things happen. If I look back on my career in like 30 years from now, and I'm like, wow, people think of me as Mr. Orman, that means I've made it. That, that would be all I need to hear. <laughs> I don't know how this started, but Louis and I have been having this debate about this question. And I've never really wanted to bring this up because, you know, similar to your um, Kat or Kelly, it's just like unnecessary division. Jonah told me this this story that I think he's making up this fake news. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll take over again. Okay. There so basically, go. the question that Louis and I have been discussing is who between us is your favorite? Now, I'm going to repeat <laughs> what I told him, but in post, the line I'm going to say will be filled by an awkward silence because I don't want that, you know, in the final thing. There was a time, it was either after or before some concert, you and me and Kelly, we were walking back to the band room. Okay. And you looked at me and then you looked at Kelly and you said, I could see myself saying that. I'll be honest, I'm not saying the story didn't happen. I don't, specifically remember that but i also am like yeah that sounds like something i would do especially in the moment like after a concert in the privacy of the bedroom and just the three of us i i, I bet i said that now whether i meant it was another thing no matter what the second half of that is i'm i'm satisfied with it seems like it's an it's like a fifty percent chance that this this was said at this point i think it's, it's probably closer to eight. it's more than 50 yeah uh, I, to be fair, I would not assume that Jonah would ever make up a story like this. So if Jonah's saying it happened, it happened. Interesting. Yeah. And I didn't go around telling everybody. I told no one except for Louis and Confidence. Yeah, and you were in the trust. The trust tree was right. was kept very secure. No, no I, the trust tree. I believe it. The soil of the fertility of honesty and truth. Roots. Yeah. No, I believe it happened. <laughs> I will say it reminds me of a time, and I think, Jonah, you were in class when I did this, and I, I wrote everyone's name on the board in a random order and in different colors in percussion class, and everyone was trying to figure out what it meant. <laughs> and it meant absolutely nothing. But it was like, is it? Is it a... It's not people... I mean, they were like dissecting this. It was like, uh, is it alphabetical? Is it alphabetical by color? Is it, is it ability? Like, who's the best to the worst? And I think we've spent like 15 minutes and I just let you guys go. We have a percussion tree of hierarchy. Like that is a thing that exists that we made, <laughs> I think, my junior year. And we made the tree of power. We, we spent so much time. Like what's the method to this madness? Well, at this point, we want to 
thank you from the bottom of our hearts for coming. Well, hold on. Uh, we really appreciate it. We can it. always thank him from the bottom of our hearts. Well, we can do... Not, well, this is not the specific time to well, do Well, we can do it again. We want to leave the floor open if you have any questions for us. So yeah, I know that I'm not the first interview you've done. and you, I don't know, maybe you've done eight, ten, more than that? In the previous interviews where you've been asking for romantic advice, okay. has any of this advice helped in any way in the immediate past? Or are you just compiling it so that at some point later in your life you'll have this book of wisdom advice that will work for you? Are you asking if we've like acted on it yet? Yes. yes. Oh, well, I feel like Jonah, right. Jonah's yeah, right? You've done a little bit? Huh? No. Absolutely. I've been in my house. I've been on, I've been doing nothing. You know, now is not the time. That's fair. I, yeah. I would just hope that, you know, you guys get a chance to put this advice to good use. And perhaps yeah. you're like, this is good advice and this was bad advice. No. That's the second question. Yeah. Have you gotten any bad advice? You think? No. All of the advice we've gotten is honestly really good. We've gotten different advice. Like, Everyone has different like experiences that they're that they're drawing from to, to to determine what what would work and what would not. But like we'll definitely I'll definitely use it, and I'm sure Jonah will. And I just I know the answer for me for that is is no at the moment. But like I'm interested in to to see what I can do in college and see where see see where we can take this book of wisdom and how far we can put it in practice. But uh, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> But the jo the answer for Jonah, I think, is a question mark. I think he's. Um, Why do you speak for me? What do you know that I don't? <laughs> uh, I think I remember. Maybe not. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's continue with. Uh, I mean, maybe you guys have one like um, a wacky story about band. Oh. Could be good. Could be good. Could be bad. Like I'm always curious. The first things I remember are me falling with the tenors before a march around. Someone left like a saxophone <laughs> case or something right by the piano, and I was walking backwards, and I fell back. Well, luckily, I, I fell back sitting onto the case. But was that not really wacky or a funny story? But the wacky or funny story I do have, which does involve you, is I like to preface it as the time Melman almost threw up on me. <laughs> if you don't want me to proceed, I can. No, go ahead. I, I think I know, but I'm not positive. Okay, so. The year was Diamond Tide. That's okay. not a year. That's a song. Thank you, Louis. Okay. We were playing Diamond Tide, and I had the vibraphone part. You were helping me with something in the band room. And this was the day before you had left because you were sick. And you were not, you know, at your best that day, as you said. Before we split up into sectionals or, like, the work day, you said, don't be surprised if I just, like, you know, get from the room for a second. I do so, remember that, yeah. We're working on Diamond Tide. You're like looking over my shoulder at the music and something bellows deep with inside <laughs> um, Melman. And there's this like wet burp and then a dash to the side. And I'm like, look, like what, <laughs> what? Oh. what just happened? And he, he said, I almost just threw up on you. And I said, nice. Oh, no. And that's the story. That's a good one. I like it. The one that jumped right out to me was when we were in Hawaii. It was like a luau concert or something. We were at those tables and those that buffet. And then you went up to the stage and they had you put on this like pink outfit, like the skirt and the and it was just, and it was just iconic and it was amazing to see you d dance in, in that outfit. It was it was quite wonderful. 
I'm glad I'm able to to give you guys such lasting memories. I yeah, someone took a picture and like painted it, right? Like in, in yeah, the middle, I have like, a, like I have the a, coconut bra hitting a dab. Yep, that's right. I ended my little hula dance competition with a dab, and uh, it's on film, and now it's uh, blown up canvas in my office, as it should be. Speaking of gifts, I know we never got you um, your gift because we never had a concert. What I'm trying to get you is uh, your very own fez. So you can keep continue the the reel of I don't know what that's called when you uh, a weird picture thing that we have everlasting zoom in picture of Melman Monkey Fez that would be great thank so you eventually thank you a Fez will reach your doorstep if you guys could change one thing about your time at uh, in the band program what would you change my experience was very positive yeah me too I'm, it's hard yeah. I mean, I guess I didn't expect to hear you guys say that there was a negative experience, but I feel like, it's like, you know, sometimes there's always things that, you know, I wish this would have happened, or I wish we could do this, or I wish this worked this way. And I ask only because, like, I don't pretend to be the all-knowing, everything I do is exactly the way it should be done. So I'm always curious, like, what uh, what people are thinking. This isn't, like, a critique on anything or anyone. I, I wonder how marching band could like seem more enthusiastic to like, students there's a good portion that still are but like i wonder how like you can spread the enthusiasm for marching band and i i think there's still like a general like oh you know we have to get through marching band first and stuff how does that become something that people look forward to at the beginning of the year can i give you a follow-up question yeah do you think it's gotten better since you've been at north for sure they embrace the fact now that like it's not going to be perfect, but we're going to do the best we can. And I've seen increased enjoyment, which is uh, good. I think the people who like marching band have liked it more. The overall enthusiasm of marching band gets lower each year, but mm. the people who like it continue to like it more each year. Mm. So there's yeah. that weird ratio. Yeah. And then to answer what you proposed of a potential possibility, I know in the spring of my eighth grade year, our band director did a week or a couple days of marching training just to prepare us for what marching band would be. I couldn't actually participate in it because I had sprained my foot then. Um, I think if middle, if all middle schools did like a marching band week, and if there was one day where mailmen and then a couple students from you know a couple enthusiastic marching band students would go from different school to different school to do little clinics with mm. the eighth graders, oh, that, get them all cool. you know excited that way. Theater does that. That's right. Yeah. They go to the middle schools. Cool, cool, cool. And then my other thing about changing the things, I would I wouldn't end drumline after the football season. I mean, I know it's not the practical most practical thing is set up and like because where's the space for all of it because right. we can't have everything in there and then also the entire concert set. But there's a way to, you know, continue it throughout the year. Cool. That's Very good. Because it's a great way to work on chops as well. Yeah. Everyone loves it. And then specifically after the season, when, every, when you don't need to be on a specific instrument anymore, it could be back to that rotation of different skills. Yeah, cool. That's a good one. Thank you. Yeah. Louis and I, in the beginning of like March, would begin to have daily phone calls. And some of the topics and where the conversation would lead, we would sometimes wonder what the FBI agent responsible for tracking our phone call was thinking about what he was hearing. So... We made that into the name of our podcast and how we end every episode by saying, dear FBI agent, and then we say something. 
And Louis has our little tag for today, if you want to say what it is. Yes, I feel like it would be proper and dignified to say all together, Dear FBI Agent, Music Lives On. What do you, what do you think about that? I love it. All right. So I'll, I'll I, I can count us off, and on go, we can start. It's it's much more <laughs> simple than we have made it out to be. We yeah, just talked to, we explained it. Yeah, this sounds like a real production here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But yeah. <laughs> One, two, ready, go. Dear, Dear FBI, FBI agent, music, music lives on. on. That was that was that was better than it's been. Yeah. Yeah. Well, once again, yes. In addition to every possible moment, we can do this. Thank you, thank you for everything. The past four years have yes. been amazing. Sixth period was my favorite part of every day, and and fourth period. <laughs> thank you, guys. Like, like I, I know it probably sounds like a broken record, but I mean, it really wouldn't be fun if it wasn't for the students that I that I was working with. So. Um, you know, as, as much as you guys always thank me, I really want to throw it always back at you guys because you make me want to like have more fun and be a better teacher when I'm working with good students. So thank you. Have a, have a great night and have a great semester and the rest of your year. Thank you guys. You too. Good luck. Uh, good luck in your first semesters of college. Yes. All right. We'll do our best. We'll do our best. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Boom. That's all she wrote. As I mentioned earlier, this is the last time you'll be hearing from Dear FBI Agent for just a little while. Me and Jonah are currently adjusting into the college experience as you are listening to this, and we need some time to get settled. Don't cry. It'll be okay. We'll be back in a month or two, sooner than you think. Music? Take us home.